0: 1757. Make an appointment today or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com and click on the link that says recovery recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx on transformationtalkradio.com. Welcome, welcome, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart, and I am the Pushy Broad from the Bronx. I welcome you to the first show of the new year of Recovery Recharged with my illustrious co-host, Happy New Year, Doc. Dr. Pat, how
1: are you? Yeah, 2022, it's all about you. (laughs) that's right we've got to make it our motto for the year
0: (laughs) you're right you're right and well it's all about you know it's a new year so it's about taking care of yourself and Mm. expanding your mind a little bit and learning new things and if you're clean and sober like we are it's about staying healthy Mm -hmm. and every single day just taking it one day at a time right yeah boy
1: I know I know I'm doing a little work to do that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: I get it. I get it. Well, you know, on this show, we talk about so many different things. And we've talked about um, alcohol and drug addiction and working in recovery and working a program. But we've also talked about what we call process addictions, which are addictions that have nothing to do with mood altering substances. And we've talked about eating disorder. We've talked about uh, gambling. We've talked about a variety of things. And today we're going to talk about something that um, everybody is aware of especially parents, so this is going to be uh, particularly fruitful for parents out there who are watching their kids take part in social media to the tune of having it take over their entire lives, right? Don't you see that as a problem, Dr. Pat?
1: Yeah, I I think it's so much as a problem that some of the people that I work with are said to me, if you want to understand the full range of my addiction, watch the television series euphoria, right? And I said, Okay, and I did. And I watched it. binge watched it almost, right. But I watched it for a reason. Because Mm. she was telling me something through that series, she couldn't articulate. She couldn't speak it. Okay, right. It was hard for her to explain her addiction to get trying to gain self-love through a social media website. And she couldn't articulate that. Right. And it's all tied in. It was all tied into the full range of addiction. Um, And I know that I'm excited about this show. I can't wait to hear what our guest has to say.
0: I know, and that's why I brought her on, because it's one thing to talk about it from a clinical point of view, and from a therapeutic point of view, and from a coaching point of view. But today, we have with us a what, what I would call a bona fide social influencer, okay? There are many people that can claim they're a social influencer, but this one really is somebody that I think you would all agree is a social influencer, and also somebody that earns her living by social influencing. And that of course goes one step beyond. So we all know that we, that YouTube going on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, that can all be addictive just by going to look and see how many friends we have, how many people praised us, how many likes we get. But when you're doing it for work, it has a whole different sense and a whole different purpose so I'd like to introduce to you today a social influencer by the name of Emma Locke and I want to tell you a little bit about her for why she really qualifies as a social influencer doing this for a profession okay she is a former zookeeper and a digital animal educator and she has a number one best-selling book called animal kind Her YouTube channel is called Emzotic, that's E-M-Z-O-T-I-C, and it provides fun and unique videos about exotic pet care. Now, she has over 735,000 followers, okay? 735,000 followers. She has over 99,000 Instagram followers. She has over 63,000 Facebook followers and close to 40,000 TikTok followers. She is a veteran in the social media arena, and she's spent more than a decade using these mediums for a living. And in today's world on social media, being in it for a decade, she's like one of the original OGs, Dr. Pat. You know, she's been around for a while. So Transformation Talk Radio listeners, Emma Locke, welcome to Recovery Recharged. How are you?
2: Thank you, Ellen. I am so excited to be here, and it's lovely to meet you as well, Dr. Pat. Yeah, it's great.
1: I went to your YouTube channel, and I couldn't stop laughing on the the thing where you're, like, getting the giggles. (laughs) And so now, like, for me, it's like my morning, how I start the day, because if you're giggling, I'm going to start my day giggling. Now, that's not the depth and the breadth of what you're doing. I'm so excited to have you here and talk with us today about the good, the bad, and the ugly of what the world is about now, all of it,
2: when it comes right. to social media. Right. And there's, there's plenty of it. There's plenty of good, bad, and ugly. So <laughs> I really would love to dive into that.
0: Well, talk to us a little bit about what your first four was into social media and how you started to connect about how old were you and what were you doing?
2: My first adventure into social media was way back in the day of ICQ, MSN, MySpace, Live Journal, and Zanga. I was around 14 years old, and I went into social media because I didn't feel like I had any real life friends. So it really was an adventure trying to find myself where I belong. Mm.
0: Well, and now, would you share with the audience how old you are now? Sure. I am 33 years old. So you've been doing this for a very, very long time. So when you say you didn't have a lot of friends and you looked for friends, how does one find those friends in that social media space? What happens? How does that take over?
2: Well, social media was the place where I felt able to share my true passion which were exotic animals and creepy crawlies things nobody in my real life wanted to talk about and that's where I started to find like-minded people who were also into giant snails giant Madagascar hissing cockroaches <laughs> and it was a place where I could speak about them at length and not feel judged yeah I oh, love I that you know <laughs> go ahead We're
1: not too far apart, the three of us on this. I was at one of the most awkward places in my life in 2003, and I dialed the wrong phone number, and I handed my credit card and started my first digital show in 2003. Now, nobody was doing it, but I had a message. I was so down. I was so depressed. My mom committed suicide when I was young, and then this showed up. And I discovered there's a way to reach out, right? I think the three of us have that in common. I didn't know that it would get me where I am today. Did you know at that time that it would get you where you are today?
2: Not at all. I thought <laughs> I might make a few friends. I didn't know I'd have well in excess of over a million of them. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you go from trying to to make friends and to share subjects in your life that you have common ground with which is a great platform But because before the social media links if you didn't have your immediate friends like in the schoolyard or hanging out you know at college or you know locally you know where else would you find them so here you are with like-minded people so that's a big advantage that really is but for kids that are 14 15 and 16 what should they be what should parents be looking out for to see whether or not the social
2: media presence is actually a problem yeah they should be looking out for the ways that i reacted when i was a a young teenager um and for me i drew completely into this world that i had created with these friends that i'd made online and i was so engrossed in being part of this little social network where I felt safe that I didn't really want to participate in other activities with my family around me or with any real life friends that I had as well and when people would try and pull me away from that safe bubble I would lash out I would have a temper I would storm to my bedroom nobody understands me you're taking my friends away from me
0: That's a very real thing. So, so if that is beginning to happen for parents, and parents are noticing this—the mood swings, the changes, the fact that somebody's completely and totally rely, re, relying on virtual rather than in-person situations—what do you suggest parents do?
2: I think parents really have to trust in wanting to connect with their children. And it's very difficult in this day and age. Everybody is so busy and everyone, although we're as connected as possible with social media, we do have distance in our real everyday connections. So parents should make a safe space for their children to Mm -hmm. talk to them about why they feel the need to spend so much time in the digital world I also believe parents can go a step further and learn what it is. Children that they have are getting in the digital world that they may be lacking in real life, and how can parents help provide that? For example, my parents were never happy to speak about animals, so social media is where I went to speak about animals. Perhaps if my parents showed a little bit more interest and made a safe space for me to talk about such things, maybe I could have shared that and bonded more deeply with my parents. Mm.
1: I love that you're bringing that up. I want to ask you a question about behavior, if I could. Um, I was out in a, let's just call it a, a car service, an automobile service place. And you have to sit in the waiting room, right? And what I observed was this young boy with a coloring book, and he was coloring, and his mom on her phone. He couldn't even get her attention. And the question that I ask you, and perhaps you can comment on it, is, Nine times out of 10, we're following the lead. If we're not following the lead of our friends that are like you, like you were plugging in, what are the cues the parents are giving when they cannot put their cell phones away at the dinner table, right? I don't know that that was your experience, but certainly you must see that now, right? Right.
2: That was definitely... Not my experience, yeah. but I do see that every single day exactly as you uh portrayed that. And I would say that if you are relying so much on digital devices to become a second parent, don't be surprised when it becomes the preferred parent.
1: Exactly. I love that
2: quote. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, we got
1: to pull that quote out. That's yeah. That right there has got to be a social media post from, from Emma. They're threatening to take all of my social media accounts away from me because I'm so bad at it, right? <laughs> so in 2022, it's on my list to hire somebody like you to teach me so that I'm not posting something that has nothing to do with anything and not even doing it in the right place. But it's become a way
2: of life, hasn't it? It has. And in many ways, although it can seem scary, it's an important way of life because it teaches us different ways to connect. It gives us the ability to learn important things. And as long as we learn to utilize social media in a way that is healthy for us, our families, and in particular our children, there are so many wonderful ways in which we can incorporate uh, social media into our lives very healthily
0: so based on your own particular experiences how did you go from being involved in social media and deciding number one you could turn this into a business from a hobby and number two how do you also take a look at making sure that this doesn't become an addiction for you
2: yeah well uh I am guilty of allowing social media to become very addictive for me in the worst ways, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. Um, But I first discovered that I could make a living from social media when I started watching YouTube videos. And at first I was just looking at funny cat videos because back in the day, it was just funny cat videos. And I was happy with that. I wanted to watch keyboard cats on repeat. And then I started realizing that there were people out there saying, by the way, this video is sponsored and I'm getting money for creating this video. And I thought, hold on a second. Could I possibly get paid For talking about my absolute obsession with wildlife so that's
0: where you started that's fantastic so slowly but surely you began what to make videos and post them is that the next step what happens
2: that's exactly what i did i had an old digital camera and I used to make just silly little videos in my room. Originally, they were dancing videos because that was also really hot back in the day, let me tell you. Um, and eventually I started bringing in my animals and deleting my older videos, which were very cringy. And immediately as I started sharing what I was truly passionate about, I had this overwhelming response from people who are looking to learn about these fascinating creatures and who'd never I've never seen a woman sitting in a bedroom holding hawks and owls or talking about armadillos and and holding one up to the camera. It was very unique content at this point. Wow. Um,
1: I want to ask you about something, um, if I could, because sometimes things will show up. And Emma, I know you've worked with people and are familiar with this. Sometimes things show up and we don't really think about social media, although I do now. And, he, and let me just give you this quick example. I was hired by a parents to try to get underneath why their child wasn't sleeping at night. And it took me a little bit and then I got it. And so sleep, not sleeping is a major issue. I don't care what age you are, but if you're a youngster and you're going to school and she was an athlete, I mean the whole thing, right? If you saw the bags under her eyes and I ruled out addiction and recovery. And by the way, Ellen, that's why they asked me because they were sure that she was like taking drugs.
0: She was doing something. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. And then I started to follow her on social media.
0: And she was posting all day and night. All night.
1: She had her phone in the bed. And every time the phone went off, she picked up the phone. And and so parents were clueless. Exactly. Now, people would say to me, that's not an addiction. The parents should just know better. I want to get your take on that because that behavior to me is the equivalent of looking at an addict and sticking an addict in a place that has unlimited amounts of cocaine and say, don't do it. (laughs)
0: That's right, you're absolutely right. So Emma, tell us how it began for you and how it sometimes is where you have to walk away. What are the things you feel when it becomes compulsive for you?
2: Well, for me, it's exactly as, as Dr. Pat just mentioned, I can find myself staying up incredibly late because I can't switch off. And when I can't switch off, I look to find something to fill the gap because who wants to lay there uh, awake at night with your mind racing with thoughts? So instead, I personally will go and I will read about something that catches my interest or see what my friends who are waking up around the world and other places might be doing. Um, So for me, I'm, I'm very guilty of using social media almost as a pacifier when I do not have the ability to soothe myself to sleep. Mm.
0: That's a very real thing. And I many, love that many, phrase, right, yes, Evelyn? Pacifier. Exactly to use I it as a that. pacifier. But you know that one of the one of the most widespread diagnosis today is ADD, right, attention deficit disorder. And this is something that is fulfilled by social social media: the quick turnover, the instantaneous reward, right, the instant gratification, the external validation. All of those things that are become real mental health problems, and and. Those are some of the things that I certainly want to talk on. Uh, there are many people involved in social media that are constantly looking for external validation, and maybe Emma, you can explain to us what what you what you think that means.
2: I think when we're searching for external validation through social media, we're looking to connect with people who we can identify with, or if we are looking sometimes to see. If we are doing better than other people, comparing ourselves, making sure that, yes, actually, so-and-so from high school doesn't seem to be doing as well. And and that makes me feel good because she was always better than me in class. Uh, And and I think that can become very toxic. So although it's not always necessarily an awful thing to go on social media to see how everybody is around you, it can become toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, I
1: want to ask you about this question because it really ties into what you just said. I, I, and believe me, I, ju- I went through this last year. Um, I, I do a, a video message almost every year. And one year, it was just a reel of bloopers. It just was. I just, the fireplace was, I had hot flashes and I had this dog. And I don't know if we go to break, I'll bring the little dog. And it's a little <laughs> mechanical dog that I use when I'm sad, I turn the dog on because it's a laughing dog. It literally will roll over and laugh. I will do whatever I need to do to get out of my mood swing. Just saying. So I did the video with the dog and people really liked it. And they wanted me to continue the dog. And I gave the dog a name and I started to post things like somebody would say something and maybe I didn't agree with them. And like the dog would laugh. Here's the hook that I found. So I had to stop with the doc because I didn't know how to overcome this. But this is the same hook we get in addiction, whether it's alcohol or drug. And that is we look for external validation. If I am not posting exactly what they want me to post, then I take that personally. And the experience of being out in public with a million people How do you, big question, how do you overcome the addictive nature of wanting to please? Because that is part of social media addiction, isn't
2: it? It is. And I have been the biggest people pleaser. For me, (laughs) when I first started my social media journey, I was posting what I wanted to. But as the sponsorship started coming in, as more people started coming in, I felt more pressure to deliver what they were asking for and what they wanted. And there is a balance to be struck because you should be giving your audience value in a way that is digestible for them and in a way that is still true to you. But I have lost my way in the past on this journey and it really sucked the joy out of my work and social media for me for a time.
0: Without a doubt, you begin to ride the roller coaster of likes and dislikes and negative comments and positive comments, and that dictates your every move. And this is some some of the work that I do in recovery coaching. And I know Emma and I have worked together in terms of this situation, and we and some of the specific things that come out of social media have really been terms that have been coined because of the social media, like. A external va- validation like the savior complex. Let's talk about that a little bit. I, you know, being, you know, just idolizing and being idolized and having a savior complex. Emma, talk to us about how that has affected you.
2: Well, imagine you are just starting out on posting whatever you want to on social media and people start coming to you with questions And you're able to answer these questions, which can sometimes result in saving the lives of their animals. And they're coming back to you saying, thank you so much. You you saved my animal's life. You helped me so much. Now that is quite a big high to experience for somebody who just wanted to talk about animals online. And that does become addictive, but you also have to be able to draw boundaries because every day I receive on the low end 300 dms emails comments and i can't get back to everybody and what happens is that those who i can't respond to see those that i can respond to and they get extremely in some cases hurt that i was not able to give them the same amount of attention and that can really bring you crashing right back down to earth with the responsibility of being idolized oh
1: my gosh you know um can I just piggyback off that? And I also want to talk about imposter syndrome, if we could. Now, I had imposter syndrome for a decade or longer. I I used to wake up after I graduated from my doctoral program. I went back to school later in life because I got fired. Actually, I've been fired from every job I've ever had. (laughs) But I went back to school. And as I after I graduated, I would have a recurring nightmare. I'm up on the stage, getting the diploma, and the nightmare would be that the dean, who never liked me, looked at my school record and saw I was three credits short, and it's the same thing. My thing got pulled. Many people don't believe the imposter syndrome can happen on social media. Many people in my profession, and I've said to them, oh yeah, What's your experience with it? And let's tell people what that means to people.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't be able to share the professional definition of it yeah. syndrome, But what it means to me is is not feeling like I deserve yeah. the recognition and the praise that I receive on a daily basis. Yeah,
1: yeah. and that too can be a driver for people to even become more and
2: more addicted. Would you say that? I think so, because then you're, you're chasing that validation. <laughs> People want to, to deserve the praise that they receive, at least I do. And so for me, I'm constantly studying, constantly learning and, and updating my knowledge as much as possible so that I am up to date. So I feel like I do have the ability mm. to be an authority on the subject of animals and pet care.
1: Yeah, we think you're an authority. We think you're authority on a lot of different areas right here. Uh, And what your message is and so insightful. And Ellen, isn't that the reason that, you know, you brought this show and this episode forward? Because you and I talk about addiction, recovery, all sorts of addiction and recovery. Um, And there's a dark side to this, Ellen, right?
0: There really is. And I really wanted to have someone here that was right in the thick of it and not only relating a story of something that they saw externally, but someone like Emma who does this every single day for a living. This is where her business come from. This is how she pays her bills. This is the world that she's immersed in. And, and the idea is and when you're when you're involved in a process addiction when you're addicted to alcohol or drugs basically you can't put your foot in it right we know we can't just have one drink okay we can't just you know smoke a joint and then everything will be okay right so Emma constantly has to balance the line be, you know between going overboard and getting sucked into it mm-hmm. and And coming back out of it and actually maintaining herself in a moderate way to earn a good living. Right. So when we um, I think we should take a short break. Do you think that's possible? Okay, so we're going to come back and talk to Emma because we've got a lot more to ask her a lot more questions as to what she does and, and how she's learned more than anything to maintain healthy habits. Yeah, the dark
1: side, we're gonna, we're gonna take a visit with the dark side.
0: Yes, we are. And then we're going (laughs) to see what it's like to go into the light. So stay with us. And we'll be right back.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Pat, I'm the host of The Dr. Pat Show. Is your life stressful and unfulfilling? Would you like to make changes but just don't know how? I want to recommend The Necktie and the Jaguar, fabulous book by Carl Greer. This is a memoir. It has questions that help us understand what our story is about, how to change it, and how to live a life that is so aligned with who we are. For more information to purchase the book, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or go to Carl Greer.com.
2: We figured by the time we turned 50, we kind of had life figured out, but we were not prepared for the realities of midlife. Tune in to And That's When I Realized The Truth and Comedy of Midlife with me, Susan Dolce. And me, Leon Dyer,
1: every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com.
2: You're not alone in these challenges, and sometimes you just gotta laugh. Find us at SusanDolce.com and LeonDyer.com. Want to ignite your best life full of joy, passion, and purpose? Then join me, Stephanie James, for The Spark, Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock Pacific time, 9 o'clock Eastern, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. And learn how together we can illuminate the world. Learn more on StephanieJames.world. The best is yet to come.
0: Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack, and I'm excited to tell you about the latest technology. It is new to this country, and it's just amazing. It's out of Germany. The Healy is state-of-the-art technology for improving and changing the body vibration. I have more information about the Healy on my website, MaryJaneMack.com, or you can call the office at 888-777-4232. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Ellen Stewart, the pushy broad from the Bronx. You're on my show, Recovery Recharge, with my wonderful co-host, Dr. Pat. And we have a great guest, M. Locke, who is a social media influencer whose uh, brand is Mzotic who has close to a million followers in all of her um, social media circles. And we are talking about whether or not social media is uh, can be an addiction and whether or not it could be a serious mental health problem. So thanks for coming back with us. And now I wanna talk to you about some of the darker sides of social media influencing, and let's see how Emma has handled that in her career. So we talked a little bit about- About external validation and having a savior complex and what it's like in an imposter syndrome but let's talk about the whole self-esteem issue okay that whole thing where how do you measure yourself against another human being on social media how when you begin to compare yourself to others in this field how does it help you and how does it hurt you
2: Well, the way that it has helped me has been that I've managed to come to terms with the fact that I I do know what I'm talking about. I do have worth and I bring something extremely valuable to the table, but this was not always the case. When I first started on being a professional social media influencer, and by that I mean getting paid and taking my job very seriously, I I did start comparing myself to others who are very similar to me in this space. And not only that, but comparing how good really are they? Because it became very aware to me that as much as I would try my best, there were people out there who no matter how hard I would try, would find fault in everything I did. And they would create websites specifically to talk about how awful myself and other people in the space were.
0: That's a terrible thing. I mean, not only do you have to get people uh, complaining about you negatively, which certainly affects you, but you go through this, this head trip yourself, right? How many more followers do they have? Are they doing something better than me, right? You go through that whole internal dialogue, yeah?
2: Yes, you do. And that's not an internal dialogue I ever thought I'd be predispositioned to have. But when you're trying your absolute best and you love what you do, and then you discover a place where anybody can say their true thoughts about you, it it can be a little bit of a slippery slope. And for me, it opened the door to one of the darkest, most embarrassing and and, uh, anxiety-ridden times in my life. You want to talk about that a little bit? We can. Uh, I discovered through a journalist what one of these websites were. And I was shocked because on my social media, everyone who was engaging with me was lovely and fun and praising me. And then I would see these comments on these websites where things were horribly derogatory. And Mm. it it made me start to take on board those comments. And it made me ugly. I started looking at why are they talking about me in this respect, but this other creator seems to be getting off quite lightly. Or why is it that this creator is is suddenly so much more on a pedestal than I am? What am I doing wrong? How can I change that? I need to switch up my content to, to win their approval. And it was a really, really negative time
1: yeah believe me i know that feeling i mean i've been doing this 20 years and you know when i started this myself and three other people two other women uh robin brender was one of them patricia raskin another one we were the only three people to our knowledge that were doing anything about positive talk and once social media started to take off and by the way i started in digital media so I've been plugged into this format of digital media for two decades.
0: I, I completely understand. I mean, for me, the feedback you know,
1: was horrible. Oh, yes, absolutely.
0: Absolutely horrible thing. I started back in the late 80s with my first PC and then started going completely virtual in the beginning of, of, like you, about two decades, but completely virtual with Pushy Broad in 2015. So we've been around for a while. And I understand, Emma, exactly what you're saying, because in our industry, it's kind of natural to always want to look at the competition, right? You always want to do that. But I'm telling you, what I have learned in my industry, because how many coaches are there out there. I mean, like a gazillion coaches. Okay. The more you go down that road and start looking at other coaches, the more you slowly begin to lose who you are and what your identity is. And you're absolutely right. You're riding the roller coaster of other people's feelings, other people's attitudes. And when you decide that you're going to try to please people rather than please yourself, you completely Mm -hmm. lose it. 100%. 100%. So yeah. I understand. So and, and you also mention here not only people-pleasing, but the
2: downfall of relationships. Can you talk about that a little bit, Em? Absolutely. I started to view the friends that I'd made within the space as cold, hard competition. And suddenly I was so paranoid that my friendships were not real, that these people uh, were perhaps not as, as good as me in their content creation, but they had more followers than me. And it made me resentful and it made me hateful. And it all stemmed from my insecurity of trying to be the best me as possible, but I lost myself in trying to make everybody else reach this standard where they could please me in my mind as well. And that wasn't fair to do to them. And it really took a toll on my mental health. Yeah
1: don't you find though that you get to a point and I wish you would talk to this because obviously something happened where you realize the rubber has to meet the road here. Right. I know for me, it's when I had to turn down a hundred thousand dollars sponsorship from a company abroad on a product that they were doing animal testing on. And I didn't know it until much later, but I was able to avert that. Um, what was your lesson? What was the light bulb that went on for you where you discovered this is about my joy and yes, it's about my business, but there are some things that I'm not willing to trade my
2: soul for? Right. For me, it was that I came clean on this website, but I'd also been posting extremely horrifically negative things about my fellow creators. And I was so ashamed when my words were taken and plastered all over the internet, all of the hateful things I had said, and they will always be there to this day. I can't do a thing about it, but it made me realize how much I hurt my community, the community that helped me to a better standard, who I promised myself that I would help. Help and be a good leader and a good example to. Mm. I came out as someone who was a horrible bully and I had to disappear from social media for a little while just to refine myself wow. because that was awful. It, it ruined some of my friendships, which thank goodness now I have rebuilt over time. I think a lot of us within the space learned a valuable lesson through my awful actions. And I truly do feel like in going to that dark place, I managed to lift myself to a place where those words can never bother me again because I realized I am my harshest critic. Not one of the people who was saying negative things about me on that website were anywhere near as harsh as how I truly felt about myself. So I just decided to become my best friend and my my greatest cheerleader. Love that. That's
0: a really good lesson and I think that we all find and I think the three of us have this in common. We try very hard to be very true to ourselves right for Dr Pat and I this is an honest program this is the way we live our lives understanding that it's our gut and our heart that rules first it's not about the money it's not about the competition it's not about what we do for a living it's about how we help. Right, and how much passion we have in helping. And I know that M, you have such a passion because I know and I see what's behind you, all the cages and you always show me every single animal that you have. And Dr. Pat, if you would see her menagerie, oh my God, okay? Between the snakes and the geckos and the, and the, <laughs> and the lizards and the, and the ferrets and the dogs, oh my goodness. But you can see she genuinely has a passion for everything and that's what makes it true to form. So that you don't have to ride the roller coaster of other people's feelings or opinions. And the only thing that needs to matter to you is are you being true to yourself and you are are you doing things that truly gives you joy and really helps you um, help other people. So I know that you keep that in mind for
2: sure. I do, and another very valuable lesson I learned from it is that I cannot compare myself to others who have more subscribers or more likes because every one of the creators, especially within the pet space, They bring something unique and different, and we don't always have to agree. And sometimes others are making more money, and sometimes others have more subscribers, but they each bring their own unique perspective and magic to the space, which cannot be replicated or stolen by another creator who wants the same numbers. So you just have to remain true to yourself. And I think this is true in every aspect of life. We bring something unique that no one can take away from us.
0: No matter what, you're right. So I want to spend the rest of the time talking about how you, you know, exactly what you've learned and how you have maintained these healthy habits. So go down a list for us.
2: Let us know right well this first of all is something i'm continuing to work on every day and i have to tweak it and fine tune it but for me i've started implementing a routine routine is so important to me because in my job i'm speaking to people around the world and as i'm about to go to sleep uh, hong kong is waking up and they want me to answer my emails for a potential sponsorship but i have to say no it's time for me to sleep the email will still be there for me in the morning. It's time for me to get some rest so I can be the best me tomorrow that I can possibly be. Routine matters to me.
0: Okay. Yeah. And we already talked about
2: not comparing yourself to any other creator, correct? Yeah, Correct. That is an extremely important one because... All creators are constantly creating content. If they're not, they're not earning and they're not paying their bills. And it can be difficult to see somebody else in the space really thriving and creating wonderful content for even your own audience to consume because we do share audience members. Uh, but the important thing to remember is this is, a, this is like the, the ebb and flow of the sea. Sometimes your energy is up and your creative juices are up and sometimes they're down. And sometimes when you're riding that high, the others are taking a rest. So it's okay to cheer for others. Yeah.
1: I love what you're talking about because the word that comes to mind is boundaries, healthy boundaries. And, you know, it is so important because there's a level of consciousness and conscious decision-making that you're talking about and knowing yourself well enough to know what's negotiable and what's not. Um, I get asked all the time, as we're going to go from one channel to 10 channels in 2022, I get asked all the time, how do you decide what channel you're going to put up? And I said, here's the thing with us. We'll talk about everything from sex to spirituality, but it's how we're talking about it. It's not the censorship so much of what we're talking about, but it's how. Are we going to be respectful? Are we going to have an open debate? Or are we going to, you know, throw words at each other and and hate at each other? That I sent over there to this other network that my friend owns, if you want to do that show. Mm -hmm. But that has been a life lesson for me in making these decisions. And you do it so beautifully. How can we help other people? set up healthy boundaries for themselves because half the time they don't even know that they've made that decision just like you described right Mm -hmm.
2: well it's actually been a really interesting journey for me and i've been extremely honest and open with my audience that sometimes it's difficult for me sometimes i don't sleep sometimes i gain 15 to 20 pounds because i'm not eating correctly and i'm not hydrating myself and it's something i speak about very openly especially on my instagram stories where i share every single day what i'm getting up to and i do it in a very honest fashion and now my own followers remind me every few days em you've been posting a lot have you hydrated today and these are my followers and they're saying em thank you for giving me the opportunity to look at my own health i would really like to adjust some of my own Uh, habits day to day and I'm also going to prioritize my sleep and I'm also going to prioritize my hydration or getting my steps in for the day and not only now do I share this with my followers but they hold me accountable too.
0: All of these things are really important but I think we also have to remember something that makes us really vulnerable and that for all of us is the fact that the three of us have brands. Right with M Lock, it's M zotic With me, it's Ellen Stewart. It's the Pushy Broad with, with you, Pad. It's Doctor Pad and, and Transformation Talk Radio. And no matter how much we live in our authenticity, we are still not one hundred percent connected to our brand we still have to maintain our individuality and our own personal identities when we finally do shut that digital media off for the day.
2: Wouldn't you say so, Em? Oh, absolutely. To me, Em Zotic, she is a heightened version of me and she is a superhero. She has it going on, oh my goodness. But when I turn the camera off and when it's just me having dinner with my dogs or my friends, I'm not a superhero and I have to treat my body as it is. I'm human and it needs to be rested and it needs to be fed and watered and cared for because otherwise I can't be that superhero to help everybody else. Oh,
1: I am an introvert. I am so far on the Myers-Briggs introvert scale that they made me take it like four times. But this is my passion. I stuttered when I was a kid something happens to me when I get to talk with people like you. There's a whole level of me that comes forward. But if you were after the show, like and you and I were in the same room, you'd say to me, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'd say, yeah, I'm great. And you'd say, well, you don't look great. You don't seem like yourself. And I'd say, you mean like my radio self. I'm an introvert. I need a little break.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Look, okay. You know, everybody said, you know, why don't you come across like a pushy broad and a pushy broad and all of that stuff. I mean, the reason I started with a pushy broad is, is because everybody told me I was always so outspoken, especially on the air and especially when I coach. But when I have turned off and I have shut off my virtual experience for my last client or I, um, or I've gotten off the radio show or off my podcast, I just want peace and quiet. Mm. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk to anybody. If if my friends are social and they want to talk to me on the phone, the the answer is probably no okay I'm tired of talking I don't want to give anybody my opinion I don't want to coach anybody all I want to do is just have a nice quiet meal maybe binge on Netflix something you know Mm -hmm. or you know a show like euphoria and just be very peaceful Mm -hmm. and quiet so we are not always our brand and that's a very important thing to realize because we have to separate that we have to maintain those strong boundaries within ourselves and I think one of the things that parents have to understand is it's all about limiting the usage and frequency of social media which is the most important thing and em i think you do that every single day for yourself basically right
2: essentially i i have to because if i don't i will not be healthy enough the next day to work and pay my bills. So I do have to limit where my attention goes, which is very difficult when I have to post on TikTok, on YouTube, create content, release an Instagram story, which is different from a reel, which is different from a post, which is different from Twitter. And all of this, can really clog up the mind. So I do have to step away and remind myself to recharge my batteries and that it's okay to do that. The world is not going to fall apart if Emzotic decides to get eight hours of sleep.
0: You know, that's a big thing. And one more thing for, for all of us older people out there that, that always poo poo social media and tell people, oh, it's nothing and it's easy and all you do is pull up a post and all of a sudden you have a million followers. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, just give us a quick rundown. We have about four minutes left. Just give us a quick rundown in the next minute or two of exactly how involved your day is and how long and hard you work. This day is in no a joke, life I people. Am. This is real, go ahead.
2: This is real and it's no joke for me. uh, I get up, I have to go through multiple emails for sponsorships, I have to negotiate contracts and also my fair amount of pay, then I have to start creating content because if I'm not creating content, I become irrelevant within 24 hours. It also means if I choose to take a holiday, other people are out there being discovered when I am taking a rest, which means someone else can bag that life-changing sponsorship just because they posted at just the right time for the algorithm to push that to the right casting director, the right publishing house, the right person who can make it go viral So it really is very difficult to feel like a human being and not so much a robot, but also more to the point, this is what your children are also contending with, because the algorithms, the computers and numbers that decide what your children see and when, It's all formulated to keep everybody hooked. It's a rabbit hole. How many times has somebody clicked on one Instagram reel or a Facebook story and 20 minutes later they think, hang on, why did I even come to the app in the first place? So we really do have to remind ourselves that we are only human, but we are being fed exactly what the computers think we want to see. And more often than not, they are correct. So we should definitely check ourselves as much as possible and say, you know what, I am being kept here for the benefit of multiple uh, uh, companies and their profits. So maybe it's time to step away and have a real life for a little while.
0: What do you think, Pat? Does that apply to you too?
1: It does apply to me. I mean, you know, I've been taking a page out of uh, Brie Larson's uh, playbook. Um, And watching the way she gracefully has said, COVID's here. I'm going to create these cool videos. Oh, wait a minute. I got to go back to my real job. So I'm not going to post. I mean, part of this is telling people what you're doing um, and why you're doing it. And I know for us, you know, social media for us next year is going to be really important. And we're finding our way. I don't know. If we set a goal where 100% of the people are going to love us 100% of the time, then we're going to be disappointed 100% times 100%. And I think the message, one of the messages you're sharing with us is, yeah, we make ourselves vulnerable. Are you prepared to do some self-care around it?
0: and that's a very important thing and it's a very important question schedule breaks maintain boundaries and most importantly remember that you separate yourself from the brand and like you said em bring your own authentic authenticity to it have some accountability structure and balance in your life and most importantly make sure that this is not the only thing in your life develop a very interesting external life that does not center around social media. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah. M. go to M mzotic, E-M-Z-O-T-I-C. Her videos are fantastic. She's posting constantly. Please become one of her 735,000 followers on YouTube. You will not be disappointed. Thanks so much, Dr. Pat, for joining me. The first Episode of the new year. Happy new year to everybody. Happy new year. And I just- You've been listening to Recovery Recharged with Certified Life and Recovery Coach Ellen Stewart. Pushy broad from the Bronx. Don't miss your next opportunity to let me help you recharge your recovery, let go of your secrets, and change the way you think, feel, and act. Right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com.